Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. You're a decision maker, sir. You bet I am. And you've decided your favorite Blizzard flavor treat is Butterfinger Candy. Yes, I have. How about Heath Bar? Yes, I said that. Heath Bar is my favorite. Michael Jackson wasn't actually black. He was Latvian and just happened to look like that. Ty Webb. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Matteblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato. Enlighten me. <coughs> Ready? Hello, folks. It's your old buddy, Heavy. Heavy Longmire, the one and only, America's favorite. With spring weather approaching, there's there's a topic I want to talk with you all about tonight, and that would be the American classic. <coughs> that would be the American icon, the hobo. Now, what exactly is a hobo? Well, I did some research, and unlike when... Gus does his city of Gustavs and you know he just throws stuff out there and you're not too sure whether this is real where he got the info from well I'm going to cite all my sources um so I'm going to cite the online journal uh Wikipedia to talk about hobos what exactly is a hobo well a hobo is a migrant worker or a homeless vagabond especially one who is impoverished. Now, the term hobo, that is an American term, and it originated out west, they think probably in the northwestern United States around 1890. Unlike a tramp who works only when forced to, and a bum who doesn't work at all, a hobo is a traveling worker. So we have lots of imagery from the Depression era of, you know, hobos. You know, Jack Kerouac, he hopped trains for a while, and... Woody Guthrie, he hopped trains for a while. Now, I did find it interesting in my extensive research that I did that the hobo, it, it was a way of life, and they they had their own little rules and regulations and stuff like that, their own language. They actually would have conventions. Once a year, there'd be like a hobo convention in St. Louis. It came up with an ethical code. It's a pretty good little code here. I think we should all, wouldn't hurt us to live by this hobo code. First, this was ratified at the nationwide convention. Let's see, it says here, this code was voted upon as a concrete set of laws to govern the nationwide hobo body. Sounds pretty official. Number one, decide your own life. Don't let another person run or rule you. Number two. When in town, always respect the local law and officials and try to be a gentleman at all times. We should all do that. Number three, 
Don't take advantage of someone who is in a vulnerable situation, locals or other hobos. Now, I'm going to skip around here. There's one that I found, a uh, couple that I thought were pretty interesting. Here's a good one. Do not, this is number 12. Do not cause problems in a train yard. Another hobo will be coming along, and you will need to passage through that, and will, who will need to passage through that yard. Now, here's a good one, too. Number 13. Do not allow other hobos to molest children. Expose all molesters to authorities. They are the worst garbage to infest any society. Number 14 is help all runaway children. And try to induce them to return home. So the hobo, you know, they were a uh, have their own set of rules. The uh, here are some notable hobos. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, these are notables who have hoboed. Nels Anderson. He was an American sociologist. Stomping Tom Connors. He was a Canadian singer and songwriter. Ted Conover. He was a sociologist who rolled rode the rails. Researching his book, Rolling Nowhere. Other notable people who hoboed for a point in time were Jack Dempsey, Woody Guthrie, Harry Kemp, Jack Kerouac, Louis L'Amour, Jack London, Christopher McCandless. That's somebody who me and Gustav found fascinating in our uh, teenage years in the early 90s. He had a, that's the story, uh, into the Wild, I believe, was the name of the book written about him. Robert Mitchum, he hoboed for a while. George Orwell, Harry Parch, Al Purdy, Carl Sandburg, Philip Taft, who is a labor historian. Sounds like a high-paying job right there. Dave Wasserman, yeah. And just because I know this is fascinating to many people, here's some literature that you might be able to that you might want to pick up next time you're at your local library or even on uh, amazon you could order it you could order it on your kindle however you uh partake in your book reading here's a book called all the strange hours the excavation of a life by lauren easley that was first published in 1975 and then there's another one i bet this one's really good has a good title American Travels of a Dutch Hobo from 1923 to 1926 by Gerald Liflang. And that was published in 1984, folks. Here's one by John Hodgman, The Areas of My Expertise. Humor book which features a lengthy section on hobos, including a list of 700 hobo names which spawned an online effort to illustrate the complete list. That sounds fascinating. Let's see here. What else we got? Oh, From Coast to Coast with Jack London by A number one, Leon Ray Livingston. Here's another one. Oh, this is even current here. I might need to pick this one up. The Freight Hopper's Manual for North America, Hoboing in the 21st Century by Daniel Lean. Now, I can tell you... Uh, 21st century hoboing has changed because, you know, railroads never look too kindly on hobos hitching rides. Uh, but now it's, you know, turned into 
a liability. They're always scared to death. One's going to get run over by a train. They're going to get sued. But also post 9-11, it was discovered that our railways were very lacking in security, especially considering that lots of freight trains carry very hazardous material and, uh, and they're not well protected. And we ship all kinds of stuff by freight, you know, uh, munitions, uh, military supplies, like jeeps and helicopters, airplane parts, uh, probably some stuff that we don't even know about, sort of like that slipped into the hands of the Russians. That could be a bad day. Categorically not. Here's one just simply titled Hobo by Eddie Joe Cotton. That was published in 2002. This one, oh, here's this one's by Nels Anderson, The Hobo, The Sociology of the Homeless Man, published in 1923. There's also, like I mentioned earlier, they came up with their own lingo. Let me scroll back up here in this journal of Wikipedia. Here's some of the words. You may have heard some of these, wondered where they came from. The hobo term is accommodation car. That's what they called the caboose of the train. A barnacle is a person who sticks to one job a year or more. A beachcomber. We know the term beachcomber. What exactly is a beachcomber? In hobo term, it is a hobo who hangs around docks or seaports. Makes sense. Big house. That's the prison. The bindle stick. Everybody knows, you know, when you think of a hobo, you think of them carrying a bindle. A bindle stick, it's a collection of belongings wrapped in cloth and tied around a stick. A hobo carries a stick over his shoulder. Here's one I thought was interesting. I'm going to start using this. Blowed in the glass. That means a genuine, trustworthy individual. And here's another one that just kind of tells you about the life of a hobo. The term is boil up. What that means specifically is to boil one's clothes to kill lice and their eggs, generally to get oneself as clean as possible. So boiling up was a uh, practice that hobos tried to partake in when they could. Buck is a Catholic priest that's good for a dollar. California blankets, that's what they called newspapers, intended to be used for bedding on a park bench. Catching the westbound, that means to die. Uh, let's see here. There's tons of different. Uh, a gump, I like this one, is a chicken. To grease the track is to be run over by a train. Oh, Hobo Jimmy, boy, he greased the track over there west of Fort Worth. It means, oh, Hobo Jimmy got hit by the train. Well, folks, oh, here's another one. Jungle, an area off a railroad where hobos camp and congregate. Now, Merle Haggard, Merle Haggard had, uh, he kind of, in his lyrics, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, uh, he celebrated the hobo lifestyle in some of his songs. A jungle buzzard, a hobo or tramp who preys on his own. Nobody wants to be a jungle buzzard. Well, folks, this is all I've got on hobos. I hope this was educational. I intended it to be. So, so very educational. Well, hobos, you know, it's 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 an inter- it's a fascinating, and we've often talked about, you know, how cool it would be back in the day to hop a train and 
Yeah. Uh, there's a there is journey a journey out west. A romanticism associated with it for sure. I think that romanticism would be quickly slapped in the face by the dick of reality though. Right. Right. The uh reading about this hobo convention that just cracks me up. I'd like to see that. You know, uh Backwoodsman, my favorite magazine, often has some hobo articles. And I think there was one it may have been in the stack that sweet Mrs. Longmire threw away. Oh, heavens no. Where they chronicled a hobo convention oh, meetup. Really? Yeah. That, uh, like a mountain man rendezvous. Basically, yeah. <laughs> just old hobos. Uh, Probably not a, uh, a lot of 401k uh, balance comparing there or fraud, stock tips. Not a lot of... Uh, portfolio talk no, at that convention, no. I don't imagine. Not a lot of, oh, this dividend's paying very strongly this year right. at all. They didn't talk about tax codes and stuff. <laughs> no. Yeah. Probably uh, some of those guys might not even have some social security numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Absolutely. Some of the old ones. Yeah. Well, this is Can You Hear Me? And obviously, as you've just been illuminated, Heavy Longmire is back. Back in the flesh. And I am Gustav Monteblanc, and the often mentioned Ty Webb is nowhere to be found tonight. He is not. I'm sure he's doing something wonderful. I'm sure he is very deep into some type of beautiful subject matter. I'm sure he is. And uh, giving it his all. Giving it his very best. And we salute him for that. Salute. But Gustav and Heavy, just like that first episode so long ago. So long ago. Back together. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Real Gustav. You can find me at Longmire Heavy. Did you investigate whether you could get Heavy Longmire? No, I didn't. You need to get on that. I think that's a... Is it doable? Uh, check it and see. But uh, you can also find Ty Webb if you like to send him some encouragement and some prayers and some thoughts at TyWeb3000. And our show Twitter account is Can You Hear Me Pod. And of course, our email, which we love emails, if you'd like to email us, that's Can You Hear Me Pod at gmail.com. And our website is Can You Hear Me Pod.com. So that's all the housekeeping there. And uh, we welcome you back. So, where the hell you been? Man, I've been, I've just been busy. I mean, I've been as busy as Ronnie Millsap at an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> Is Ronnie Millsap still alive? Yes, he was playing somewhere recently. I heard it advertised. Does he know how often he gets mentioned on this worldwide loved podcast? I, I, I would fancy to bet that he does not know. Well, maybe we need to work on that. Find uh, some contact info for Ronnie. For old Ronnie, yeah. He let us come up and hang for the weekend, record some shows with him. Sure, because we are musical talents. Right. Not musical shows, him record some podcasts oh. with us. Oh, I thought you meant, you know, Ty's always telling us how he's a wedding singer. No, well, maybe him and Ronnie can get into the wedding You know, business. he's told us about this, and supposedly there's some... Tape. Some VHS tape. I'm we sure not, there is out in East Texas somewhere. We've some, not seen said tape. Oh, gosh. 
Can you see him in a ruffled tuck shirt with a cummerbund? Can you see him trying to do that with us popping up? Oh, that would be the best part. That'd be so awesome. Just the terror in his eyes. <laughs> the bead of sweat right. rolling down <laughs> his brow. Because uh. he's trying to fight through uh, Brian Adams. Uh, <laughs> what was that uh, song from Robin Hood? Yes, I can't remember. I can't Played at every high school dance. Yeah. Well, it's good. I'm glad to have you back. I've been worried about you. You know, there was uh, some talk about maybe a big cat had got you. Well, I I did venture out for uh, did a little tracking. Yeah, did a little went out west, did a little tracking, looking for some sign, looking for some sign. Uh, was that around Mineral Wells for a while? Uh, I do love that Mineral Wells uh, area. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I need. I just. I need to spend more time there. I'm I not need, moving there. No. Don't get me wrong. No. But I do love that. No. Uh, then I. Uh, then I ventured back over into uh, the 903 in the northeast Texas. Can I interject a mineral wells fun fact I encountered about two years ago? Lay it on me. So we were coming back from a Boy Scout trip, and we stopped in Mineral Wells to get something to eat. And some gas. Did you make the kids listen to the Tom Russell song as you rolled in? Uh, I think I was singing it actively okay. myself and pointing out, you know, hotels and things like that. Right. And explaining how it used to be. Right. In the glory years. The, the glory, glory. And I see a Dairy Queen. It's Saturday afternoon. Can't go wrong. I'm thinking we'll pop in here at the Dairy Queen. Everybody can have a dilly bar. There you go. You know. Just some soft serve. Maybe a blizzard. That was the one Dairy Queen, as far as I'm aware of, in America that closes Saturday afternoon. What? They it was about two o'clock. Where'd all the old men go for coffee? I don't know, but they were closing on a Saturday afternoon, like that was their normal time at, to close. At about what time? It was about two o'clock because I oh pulled in gosh. and they're like, "Sorry, we we close at one." And what time? This was in Mineral in Wells. In Mineral Wells. Wow. I need to rethink that strategy. That is that not a good strategy. That franchisee needs to. Uh, anyway, I was. You know what it could be? Maybe they don't do any business in the, on Saturday afternoons because maybe there's like an all-you-can-eat catfish buffet in town that opens up on Saturdays. You may very well be right. And that's, that's where, where everybody go. in town goes is to but eat catfish. This was summer. Mm. I you'd would think you'd sell some ice cream. I would have enjoyed a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have run into the Dairy Queen that does not stock Snickers to put in their blizzard, and I think that's a travesty. Hmm. You know, I, I, my go-to blizzard is the Butterfinger blizzard. I know you like that, and I'm not a Butterfinger <laughs> fan. Which I love, the Snickers candy bar. Right. But I don't, I think I've tried it in the blizzard once. Didn't care for it? No, because... Of the caramel, and it gets too hard. Mm, I could see that. Now, going too hard, which I've been accused of many times before. <laughs> um, I like a mix Snickers and Heath Bar blizzard. I bet a Heath Bar would be good. Because Heath Bar's toffee, right? Yeah, that's the toffee Boy, with the I chocolate. Boy, I love those. Uh, Heath or Score, if you're going to go with the toffee candy bar. Mm, boy, I hadn't had a Score in years. Yeah, I have to look that up next time I'm venturing down the candy aisle. I think the score 
I haven't done a side by side comparison in a long time, but I think the score is a little butterier. I'm all for the butterier. I like that butterier. Yeah. Is that a word? There's a lot of extra Butter. endings there. Yeah. Buttery. I guess more, more buttery. More, more buttery yeah. would be the correct way to yeah. say that. More buttery. But it's not as Because toffee, toffee's just butter and sugar, right? Pretty That's, much. Uh, maybe. I'm not a uh, chef, as far as we know. But uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's why it's good. Butter and sugar. Well, there you go. That's all you really need. Yeah, because for, for caramel, you say caramel or caramel? I say caramel. I do, too. I say caramel. Yeah. And sometimes when I hear, like if we'll be talking about, boy, I like that caramel and that candy bar. And somebody will go, yeah, that Ooh, caramel, caramel is really I'm good. Like, what the fuck? And I'm yeah. like, are they trying to like correct me nonchalantly? What are they doing here? The low-key, uh, oh, let yeah, me the, put you in your place. Right, the low-key correction. Yeah. Don't want to make... Don't want to make you feel dumb. I'd rather somebody just come out and say, don't you mean caramel? And I'd be, don't you mean you're an asshole? Probably the only food thing that I correct people on, and it drives me nuts. And with the influx of northerners that we've had in the last 15 years. I.e. Yankees. Pecan. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. I you're going to get, I'm going to correct you. Yeah. You say pecan. Are y'all going to have pecan pie at Thanksgiving? No, we're going to have pecan pie. Now, I did a, I did a flat out correction on a conference call the other day. Uh, a lady had moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. And so we were, she was asking where I lived and I told her and she said she was living in Kerrville. I'm like, okay. Hmm. And she said, well, uh, my sister lives in Selena. Uh. And I said, oh, Salina, yeah. That's how we say it down here. You know, there's lots of things like that, you know, like, you know. Uh, Bernie. Bernie, uh, Mejia. Right. Montague. Italy. Yeah, Italy. Yeah. Montague always cracked me up. Cause, right. you know, you're, Montague. You're in Montague. You're <laughs> reading the Romeo and Juliet, and it's Montague, Montague. Uh. But no, Montague. And anyway, I, I thought, you know what? I don't want this poor lady... It seems very nice right. running into a conversation and saying, Selena, yeah. And I've heard, what is, I've heard another one, a North Texas tip, and it blew me away that they were saying it like this. What I'll tell you what's funny is watching Yankees try to pronounce, when they just see it written, try to pronounce Waxahachie. Oh, yeah, that would be a tough one. That's And I, I always think that's probably how sometimes we Southerners sound if we have to try to pronounce some type of... Uh, All those Massachusetts towns? Massachusetts or, or Michigan. Michigan or Minnesota or yeah. things where you get a lot of Indian yeah. uh, names. I see a Massachusetts town and I just kind of throw up my hands and yeah. walk away. I'm like, I don't. I can't say the name of the sauce. And it's Worcester. Right. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Sure, sure. Yeah. Worcestershire sauce. Speaking of Massachusetts, did you see the news story about the couple that were arrested for all the weapons? In Frisco? From Frisco? From Frisco? Yes. What? And he's... What came of that? I didn't uh, well, see any right follow-up. Now, uh, right now, they're not out on bond. They're still being held. So let's back up and let me pull up the things because I'm fascinated by yeah, this story. Yeah, I saw that pop through the news last week. And I wondered what the hell was going on there. Then I never saw any, which I don't dig deep in the 
bowels of the internet like you do. So I was like, eh, if something comes up, it'll make the news again, unless the government covers it up. Well, this one has some very interesting things going on. Now, we're going to table our gun control discussion until Ty's here to moderate. Keep yes. us from right. trying to hurt each other. <laughs> but Massachusetts obviously has much more strict gun laws in place. Like Correct. High capacity magazines are against the law. One of the uh, one of the charges against them is for having an infernal machine. I haven't even delved into what the fuck that means. Although I I've think never heard of that. That may be an actual machine gun. Huh. But I haven't dug uh, real deep. Okay, so Franco Bradley, spelled with a very odd F R A N C H O. Hmm. I assume it's Franco, not Francho. That's pretty weird. That sounds Eastern European to me. Well, this gentleman looks like he's not from Europe. Okay. okay. He's he is of uh, African American nature. He and oh. his common law wife. Okay. So way to go. As your I was thinking Lithuanian or Estonian or something like that. Side note, your oldest she's a, she watches YouTube, right? Oh yeah. My middle one and oldest are big on out there all are, but my middle one was watching a fact rap the other day. Oh. And he came to me and said, did you know Michael Jackson was from Latvia? And I said, <laughs> excuse me? And he said, yeah, I heard it on a fact rap. Is that true? And I'm like, let's look at what Michael Jackson looked like in the 70s. And let's look at what traditional Latvians look like. <laughs> Do these look similar? No. Anyway. Apparently, fact raps are out there, which are even less well-documented than our wow. uh, initiatives. Okay, so Franco and his common-law wife, who apparently are from the Frisco area, were arrested when he called the police mm -hmm. to tell them that he thought his hotel room was being broken into because he had a live security feed on his room that he was watching that had stopped and there was a gun in the drawer and he didn't want that gun to fall into evildoers. Bad hands. So I think there's more to that part of the story that maybe the hotel was involved too, but this is the part that I've gathered from a couple of different sources. Reddit? No, no. Uh, the Lowell 4chan. Sun. No. Uh, the Lowell Sun. In fact... 4chan poll, interestingly, these if somebody makes a, a thread about this, mm -hmm. they don't really get really? any traction. There's another one, 8chan. Yeah, 8chan is is like a spinoff of 4chan because right. they didn't like what was happening back when Moot was running things. And Okay. Anyway. Anyway, um, so this is from the local newspaper, The Little Sun, and also read on the Boston Globe and on a couple other things. And the Boston Globe article actually said... The infernal machine uh, involved uh, smoke grenades, hmm. which okay. he had three of at least, according to the picture in the supplied. So the police arrive. They go into the room. They find a flight suit with guns bundled up in it on the floor. And as I said, you can't. Semi-automatic weapons are uh, frowned upon heavily. Right. And from I, I haven't seen an itemized list, but based on the picture. And my general knowledge here, there's a, an AR-15 with a bump stock, which Massachusetts just banned. So he's right. going to probably be the first guy 
to be uh, have a bump stock charge. It also has an M203 style grenade launcher under the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a 40 millimeter like what the actual M203 is, mm-hmm. that's illegal without a tax stamp. Right. Now, it could be 37 millimeter because I think a few people make a, a version of it. It could be a 30 though, right? Isn't there a 30? Uh, 37 millimeter is the, the next standardized size. Okay. And that one does not require a tax stamp. But if you start using it for projectiles, you get into a real gray well, area. I was going to say, what would you use it for? Smoke grenades, uh, well, a- illumination grenades. I, I'm saying like a beanbag. Okay. Or, oh, okay, uh, I got you. I got obviously you. an explosive. Right. And you have Can to. Can you buy smoke grenades pretty you, readily? Well, you can buy the. Uh, the cartridge for it, uh-huh. and then you have to build it with black powder. I guess you could use smokeless. But anyway, it's a gray area where if you start using things that are actually made to hit something, mm-hmm. then okay. it, it may, depending on if you used it and if you got, right, you know, it, if somebody prosecuted you, then the ATF could come in and say, that's really a destructive device. Gotcha. We're going to tack this onto you and you're going to get federal time. He's got uh, an AK-47, I assume, semi-automatic. Uh, there may be some silencers here. It's hard to tell, but that seemed to be one of the charges. Some pistols, one of which is like a, a really old World War II era British Webley revolver, which is not a... Yeah, it's just a revolver. And it's really weak, too, yeah. as far as cartridges. There might be a belt fed up at the top in the picture. Yeah. And if it's a belt fed... That I think it is, I don't know of any semi-automatic versions of it, hmm. so I don't know if there's, this guy's either way deep into something heavy uh, with some really expensive stuff, or if this is just kind of somebody that's trying to look like they're badass. Anyway, there's lots of uh, grenades for the ro- grenade launcher hmm. on the table, lots of magazines, some weird shit that I can't identify. Hmm. Well, this is where it gets even weirder, though. So he says he's working for the government on an assignment for an agency that he will not name because there's a virus that he's working on, on on an outbreak type thing. And he will not say what the agency is or who to contact. Okay. So that's where it stands right now. No bail, like 40-something charges against him. Wow. Interesting fact, they're not sure. This is his common-law wife that's with him, which... I still don't quite understand that legal framework there. And it varies state to state. Yes. But one of his past wives went missing. Uh Uh-uh. So they don't really know. uh, They haven't found her to contact her. And I think one of his other, I think his son got into some trouble with some firearm-related charges in the past. Interesting. So we've got this, maybe he's a spook. Yeah. Maybe he's just crazy. Right. But that's an awful lot. And why he's in Boston, that's a long way from Frisco. Yeah. If he was going to, you know, cause some mayhem. That's interesting. So I think this, you know, people have pointed out, okay, the hotel and maybe it, they, he was arrested. There were parking tickets for places that were near where the March for Our Lives was going to be happening in Boston. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was going to cause hell there. Uh, this was before that, though, wasn't it? No, it was about it was a week the, it after. Was the, it was the weekend of it, I think. Okay. Okay. But uh, it's very 
odd. All everything about it's very odd. Yeah. Now maybe it's odd because this is just a crazy guy and you can't always make sense out of right. crazy people. But then again, like Stephen Paddock, it's a lot of weird stuff. Now right. other than the grenade launcher and what might be a belt fed that I can't really make out, his general weaponry is not as sophisticated as like Paddock had. Right. Which I still think we will never know the yeah, full that story one, there. That one blows me away how that just disappeared. Yeah. Not in the news anymore. And it doesn't, you know, maybe I could, like you said, I haven't been reading the Las Vegas media every day to try yeah. and see if maybe it's still. Right. But that just. Is how many people were killed there? 56? 56. Something like that. I might be wrong, but it was in the 50s. 54, 56. That had. That has to be the worst mass shooting in our as history. As far as I right? know, that's the highest uh, right. fatality of uh, of a shooting. Right. Now, obviously, we have had had greater mass killings with like Oklahoma City right. bombings and bombings and stuff. And stuff. As far but as a fire as far as firearm related, that's the high. Yeah. And honestly, it's still watching because I watched all the video I could find on sure. that. And it's still, because what, he's shooting like 400 and something yards away? Yeah. I think is what they said. Which, that's a long damn way. That's a long way with a 223. Yes. But it still blows me away with that many people concentrated together. And this sounds awful, but, well, I'll rephrase it then. It blows me away that there weren't more than 57. Yeah. I, I agree that firing into... And maybe it took him a little while to... To range down. To figure yeah. out... How to, yeah, because shooting up. Shooting down sh- is tricky. Right. There's, yeah, if you're not shooting, shooting down's tricky and shooting up's tricky. Right. And, uh, and 400 yards is really a long way. Yeah. I mean, get a lot of. I've never shot a 400 yard shot. No, I never have. The furthest I've ever shot is 325. And that was pure freaking luck. Yeah. Is a running hog. <laughs> and i this is i let it probably there was a group of them bolting for the woods across the hay meadow and i aimed picked out the biggest one i aimed about a foot in front of it mm-hmm. shot i hit it in the hip and broke its broke its hip with your 25 out six with my 25 out six and broke its hip and uh it's just crawling with its front legs, right. trying to make it to the woods with the rest of them, you know. And uh, then I was able to get up on it and finish it off. But I was shocked that there was that much lag. Mm-hmm. In, well, I mean, it's a running animal. so It's a running, but that's still a long way. Yeah. And, 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 even with and the, it was probably a probably about a 200-pound hog. And 25 out 6 is a fast round. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's a that's incredible. I mean, compared to a two twenty three, that's like night and day. Yeah, as far as the velocity you're getting, there. right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I. I I'm while still we're amazed. speaking on on guns, a tip of the hat to you on your city of Gustav gun episode. That was good. I tried to and be. I, you, you did a good job with it, and it was, I realize it's definitely slanted towards my general view, but it was. It was good from a historical value as to just how right what's been done so how, far right how we got to where we're at here right. and uh, well thank you I, I tried very hard I, I I think I told somebody it may have been you and Ty that was the least pontification that I've ever done while speaking for an hour by or over an hour by myself yeah without 
And this, I don't think you mentioned this, but I've always found this fascinating. Uh, what years was, was Nixon president? He's president in 72, right? Uh, 68, and then he was out in 74. So he got okay. ele- he was got reelected in 72, and then he okay. had to... Somewhere around in that time period, when there were lots of crimes being committed with the, and I'm using quotes here, the 38 special. The Saturday Night Special. Yeah, the Saturday Night Special. Uh, he put forth legislation to ban the Saturday night special NRA was, was behind him mm-hmm. said, yeah, this will be a good idea. It's causing too much mayhem. It was the Southern Democrats who opposed it and got it shut down. It was like, no, you can't be taking people's guns away from them. Um, and it's just interesting how yeah, it, tables it, flip, it's, you it's know, fascinating. And there's a really, I, I think I was telling, I can't remember. For the, Cause back then the NRA was just a small, it was just a little group, you know? Yeah. Well, and there's a really good, um, I can't remember the name of it. Damn it. They had it on Radiolab, but it's a different podcast. They just played the episode themselves. Let me look it up real quick because it's killing me. Because I want want people to listen to it because I thought it was a very good podcast. I didn't agree with their takeaways on some aspects, but it was fascinating. But part of it that they talk about, More Perfect. That's the name of it. More Perfect. Radiolab. Radiolab carried... They played the more perfect episode in their feed. So if you listen to the radio lab, I never listened. To oh, that. you never? It's no. it's interesting. It's a started out as an it's NPR its own, show. That's okay. That's why I've heard of it. So, and but it's then, its own podcast. But now? they do a podcast. They okay. you can get the episode. It's and, called what? Uh, more perfect was more the, perfect is the name is of the, the episode? other podcast. Well, the the episode name is the Gun Show. I think. Oh, okay, I'll look that up. And it was interesting. Just like I gave some historical background they had historians that i don't think paid attention to some of the background mm-hmm. like they had their right view. right and which they historians did, tend to do which they do but one of the things that i found interesting is they talk about well nobody dealt with this and you know i, I brought up that one case in uh, georgia where they had the concealed carry that the mm-hmm. supreme court dealt with and there was one supreme court case i forgot to mention um uh, i think it was miller where they ruled in the 20s or 30s that sawed-off shotguns weren't covered by the Second Amendment. Right. And that's kind of where you get into that. What about, um, which I know you can't hunt with them, but I've always wondered if you could be in possession of them. Or the... uh, Punt guns? No. What's (laughs) the... uh, When you slit a shotgun shell? Oh, yeah. Cut Uh, cut shot? What uh, do they call those? uh, Dead gummit. Um, yeah, you can be. In, I mean, yeah, you can own them and shoot you, them. You can you be just in can't posi- hunt with right. Them. I know you couldn't hunt with them. Yeah, I, mean, I know what you're talking about. What do uh, they call those? Is it slit shot? No, slit? it's a dead gummit. Cut shot. Cut. No. Uh, cut down or we're awful tonight. We're out of practice together. We are. Cut shells. There's another name for it. Yeah, though. there was a name that was common when, when we, we were, were kids. Let me look on this. Uh, ask a prepper. website does it have my picture on it Mm, cut shells oh well well people call them cut shells but there was a name that used to be so if if you remember that name let us know in the 80s that will uh and i'll ask my dad i'm sure he'll say it right off the bat um yeah you, you could i mean basically when it comes to a obviously you can't go i've never seen a manufactured shell bigger than a 10 gauge yeah and I know that diameter, like the biggest bullet you can make 
is a 50 cal, mm-hmm. according to federal law. But that doesn't apply to shotguns. Right. So obviously a slug is bigger than a uh, 12 gauge right. slug is bigger than a half an inch. Do you imagine a 10 gauge slug? I, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. But I've never seen one. I've never seen them. But then again, I don't own a 10 gauge, so I just may not be paying right. attention. Well, to shift. Oh, go okay, ahead. I was going to say, I encourage everybody to listen to that because the NRA piece of it, they talked to a couple of the guys that were part of the revolution in the NRA. Okay. And, you know, they point out. The, Wayne LaPerrier? No, this is before Wayne. Okay. This is like uh, Knox. Okay. If you know. If you know early 80s. Wasn't it was it? the 70s is when this okay. happened. And their takeaway from it is that or a friend of ours with another podcast, his takeaway was it uh, that these radicals overthrew this benign organization and gotcha, turned it into gotcha, this evil gotcha, thing. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Kind of like what's happened in modern politics. Right. Well, where you, you get know, radicals yeah. on each side trying to overthrow. My take of it was that, and if you listen to the history of it, it makes a little more sense to me, but again, my perception is already shaded, is that until that Gun Control Act of 68, there really wasn't a reason for them to ever have to shift into that gear yeah, of true. dealing with it because right. nobody had really been, other than the NFA Act and the right. stuff in the 30s, nobody had been shitting on anything. Right. And then all of a sudden you have not just federal, like Nixon's proposal, but you also have lots of local governments, which is their yeah. purview, right? enacting bans on pistols, enacting yeah. all kinds of things. And then those people saw it as the time that they needed to step up yeah. and combat right. it. But other people with different viewpoints see it as these radicals taking it. Right. Now, the interesting thing to me is they interview uh, Heller from the Heller case that went to the court Mm -hmm. and he he is we know this guy okay okay? we know this guy from our youth we have rolled our eyes at this guy right and the lawyers that are from a bunch of the libertarian think tanks that were looking for somebody to use Mm -hmm. because that's how most big constitutional cases they find somebody to to cherry you know to use as their thing it's not always the case. Obviously, things like uh, what Gideon that we had to learn about for the uh, oh, I forgot about that. You know, there's there's things that go up from yeah. the lower courts, but oftentimes there's like, oh, you know, we want to challenge this. Well, they're like, this was the worst guy. We had all these people that were much more likable, yeah. much more affable, affable yeah, to and make this a is case the only guy of. that actually met all the criteria and a- had actually been affected by the Washington D.C. laws, right, and that was the one. Right. And he was, and that's who they had to go with. Yeah. But he is not, if you listen to it, I want you to tell me who you think of immediately and we'll compare notes. Okay. Uh, at some point. Okay. All right. Anyway, but I do recommend. Okay. Now, so we're to switch topics off guns. The, uh, where are we at on time here? Uh, taking out pauses, we're probably about 40 minutes. Okay. So we're shooting for about 55 is okay. what our normal. Well, I know me and you, we've talked for, and we can actually drag this into next episode a little, maybe, uh, for my big reveal. But uh, me and you have talked for years, you know, and just found uh, 
U.S. migration very interesting mm-hmm. and, and genealogy very right. interesting. Well, for Christmas. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I received an Ancestry DNA kit. And I was very excited because I've been into genealogy for about 10 years. Like really, look, which one of my, I have an uncle who's been into it since the 70s. You know, back when you actually had to go to county courthouses and look through. I mean, that's what. All the banker boxes sitting over there in the corner. When he had to move into his uh, assisted living facility, he had, I think it's eight banker boxes full of old genealogy records and copies and stuff that he had made from courthouses uh, from Texas to Virginia. Right. And uh, he was adamant that I'd be the one to carry the torch to carry the torch so they're sitting in my garage well you know you know so but anyway i've always found it very fascinating and i know because you know he did a lot of my uncle has done a lot of work on my you know my dad's side of the family right. their side of the family but nobody's really doing but i was side. curious on my mama's side because that's where my dark complexion comes from uh it's from my mama's side so uh, for those of you that have never seen heavy he uh especially in his youth when he was curly headed he was always mr the man of bronze copper oh yeah yeah and i've always called it which you can really tell it like on my under my forearms what do you call that your i don't want to say you don't say underarm what do you call the the, inside forearm inside of your forearm i always just said i'm kind of a mud cat yellow color you know that seems racist somehow it makes me uncomfortable kind of an olive color Okay, and uh, so I was curious on my mama's side because my grandmother had the same type of skin, and the blue eyes come from my mama's side as well. I was curious as to what might pop in uh, on a DNA test from her side. So I was all pumped up. I was like, you know, I just w- I want something exotic, you know, whether it's might be Native American, might be African American. Might be span. I don't know. There's got, there's got to be something. You know? So you're going to save this because for I, next week. Yes, for the reveal for the reveal. Because I do know that my mama's side of the family migrated from Georgia and Mississippi uh-huh. to Texas in about 1840, late 1830s. So I'm thinking, okay, there might be some Cherokee. There might be some Choctaw. There might be. There's something, and it's which you don't know my mama's side of the family very well. But uh, not, I don't know anything my past. Yeah, I don't stuff. know anything past your just that generation above you. Right. Yeah. The uh, they all. Uh, my one of my aunts sent me a picture. They had a family gathering last Christmas or something like that. And it was a picture of all the girls, like which my aunts, they're great grandmas now. Just all the females down through the generation. I'm sitting there. I was like, "Oh my god, they all." And it's the same way my mom looks. Mm-hmm. They all look alike. Dark headed, uh, have the same facial features, same bone structure, uh, straight hair, right? Straight dark hair. It's like this is going to be. Which my grandmother did have curly hair. It's going to be very interesting. And it was. I was pumped up because I do know that my mom's side of the family, like I said, came from Georgia and Mississippi. My dad's side of the family got to the U.S. in the mid-1700s, Virginia, and then Appalachia. and, and uh, But one of the coolest things, or neatest things, I'll say, remember I don't know if you remember this conversation me and you had some while back, 
and it was uh, when you were working Seattle. Do you work in Seattle? Uh, or no, Oregon? not in Seattle. I was in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Okay, and I remember you telling me you were sitting in an airport in Eugene, getting ready to catch a flight back. And you were sitting there in the waiting for the flight, and just looking around the airport, thinking. Nobody in here looks like somebody I would have grown up with. Yeah, now that, and I've noticed that in multiple right. locations. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, nobody looks. He said, except for that dude right there, he looks like somebody I might have grown up with. Ends up the guy's on the same flight as you. Right, ends back up, to Texas. Ends up he's sitting by you. And he's from freaking Farmersville, yeah, yeah. <laughs> North, northeast Texas. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yep, there's a, re-. and it's interesting because we all. The majority, so that got me thinking too, you know, the majority of folks, because like me and you and Ty, we grew up in the, our people yep. had been in that same county, in that same area. hundred Over a hundred years. For yeah. freaking ever. And so through a lot of my, so then it got me wondering, okay, how did people migrate? Because I know my family, when they came from Appalachia, from Tennessee and Kentucky, they went up to Missouri then down through Indian Territory mm-hmm. into Northeast Texas. They go, well, shit, why didn't they just take I-30 through Arkansas? Right. You know, and uh, and it's, so that got me researching migration trails out of Appalachia. And Highway 69 mm-hmm. that goes up through Sherman, Denison, crosses into Oklahoma, and cuts up through if Northeastern. you can find a sign for it. Right. Cuts up through uh, Southeastern and Eastern Oklahoma. That was an old Indian Indian trading trail. Mm-hmm. When they then it became a migration trail. Is that the one that uh, the outlaw Josie Wells went on? Uh, could have been, could have been. Uh, then that's where Katie Railroad built along that trail, and then they built a highway along that trail. Right. So and it was interesting watching because then I looked because I do know also that like folks from southeastern Texas. Most of those, their people migrated from Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, and now, know. how much of that was, especially south, south? How much of that was on land? How much of that was by uh, ship? See that I don't know. Which I would think. Well, I don't know because Galveston was a huge port, a gigantic. In the, I mean, that was before the before the before nineteen hundred flood. You know, that before was, the hurricane, it was. I mean, it. New Orleans was still bigger, but they right. were counting on Galveston to be the next New Orleans. It was going to be, uh, so I don't know. A lot of that could have been um, sprung up from there. Because I, 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 that's what I, I've always just kind of assumed that that's why, you know, there was so much of the Czechs and the Germans that right that came in, sh- shipped in there, and then headed into the hill country right. and, you know, th- th- that area. Well, then even when you think about the hill country, because not only did the hurricane of 1900 devastate Galveston, but I think that's what wiped Indianola out. Yeah, yeah. Was I the think hurricane so too. of 1900. And I and love that, that song, and that, and that makes me think of a, the, the great, you know. Charlie Robinson song, Indi- so Indianola. And, uh. Because there were several, I mean, that was a big port. And I'm trying to think what, I mean, it's not even a bay anymore. The hurricane changed it so much. Or would have would that have been, I can't, there's a town in that area that's yeah, basically kind of where Indianola used to be. I'm not good at that, uh, the geography of the coast when it comes to towns. Yeah. I think I told you one night, we had gone down on vacation down to Corpus, 
and we were driving back up. We are going to go to Houston and go to NASA and stuff like that. That's a long drive. It is a long drive. So originally we'd come down and stopped at San Antonio and then you know driven through that coastal plain to Corpus. Right. And then we were driving up. And instead of taking the main road, uh. I decided we're going to hug the coast. And I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. But that's not... It's not for the, uh, if you're not willing to just kind of not really knowing where you're at part of the time. <laughs> but that's one of those things like, man, I don't even know these towns yeah. like, half the time. You know, and, right. and Towns would be like some of the things that we drive through, you know, normally ourselves in the 903. Yeah. Just kind of, there's nothing here. Exactly. I'm assuming that most of y'all work offshore and a right. couple of y'all are running cows. You know, that's yeah. all that's going on here. Everybody else is cooking meth. Yeah. Yeah. And... That was one of those things like, wow, I didn't know all this existed. And there were times that the road would be like, I know I'm supposed to be kind of going north, but we're not going north right now type yeah. thing. You know? And that's what throws me on the Texas coast because it's at an angle. Right. And so there's no, like to me, when I think of Corpus, well, that's west of Galveston, which, I mean, it is, but it's it's southwest. southwest and right. it's, you know, when they... uh Cause I think they, when they talk about Galveston, what they call that the the eastern tech or the northern Texas. I can't remember what. Yeah, it is. something it's, like that. It's something strange, but it just kind of throws my sense of bearing it doesn't, off. Uh, That's why I get confused driving in Garland because it's on the curve of six thirty five. Yeah, and to me, six thirty five runs be, east and west. Yeah, in our war, in our limited in, world, yeah. In, you know, growing up north of the Metroplex, when we did come into Dallas, that which, was the barrier. You know, when we grew up, going to Dallas meant anything south of McKinney, right? And uh, yeah, everything you know, Plano's built east and west. Everything's built. Richardson's built east and west, north, south. Then you get in Garland, and things get a little mm-hmm. jaggedy. You know, things run yeah. at angles and shit. And uh, but anyway. Well, I look forward to the reveal. Uh, oh, it is interesting. I'm hoping we get some uh, some hype, some some build up, people guessing on Twitter. Yeah. So if you'd like to send in your thoughts, tweet those out. We could we could have a uh, I don't know what we give away. Give away a t-shirt. Okay, we'll give away a t-shirt if so. But what are we what are we shooting for here? Are we shooting for uh, uh, shooting for? Well, let's see. Shooting for like are there like Four major things, like the top four. If you get the top four, what are we... I'm not even going there. Not even going there. All right. Not so, even going there. Uh, just throw in what you think. Regions. Regions of the world. Regions of the world. All right. There you okay. go. Because so, it's interesting how they how Ancestor DNA splits up regions of okay. the world. Can I you found give that us, interesting. Uh, some... Obviously, don't give us the specific... Well, all right. Well, you're just on your own, I guess. We don't want to... Okay. Tip our tip our hat too much, right? Tip our hand, I should say. All right. Well, if you have an idea what Heavy's DNA is going to be, tweet that out to us, and we'll see. And I'll give you a T-shirt if you get it right. Part polecat, part. <laughs> what was the Jeremiah Johnson, the guy living in a in a cave with a was it a female a, panther? Female panther. Yeah, she never did get used to him. Whew. Golly. Anyway, all right. I. 
Email us at Can You Hear Me Pod with your DNA or your thoughts on the crazy uh, Massachusetts gun story or your conspiracy theories, Trav, for uh, Stephen Paddock. And uh, even though I don't, I know all those already because we tweet about them all day long. And um, that email is Can You Hear Me Pod at gmail.com. And I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. There are still people up in Oregon who remember a hobo called A Number One and a railroading man named Shaq and the fight they had in 31. Clear to Portland and back. And the winner will be Emperor of the North Pole. A Number One was king of the bows, as tough and as hard as nails. I'm trusting you, kid. Cover for me. Hey, you come back here! He takes what he needs and he goes where he wants and he always rides the rails. Confessioner. The Lord is my tabernacle. And his ship is filled with gold. That's sail for the pearly gates. Hallelujah, brother. A number one. He loved the road, and he knew it from A to Z. Shaq was a man who loved only the rules, and nobody rode for free. Next time I pick up an empty, I'm not going to have it burned. You will never let it happen again. Never. In one of Shaq's hands is a hammer of steel. In the other, a four-foot chain. And both of them carry a message of death if you try to set foot on his train. I did it. I rode your damn train. There's only one bow that's got the stuff to try me. You ain't even on the list. Now, the king of the hobos traveled by train, and he always traveled alone. But a tag-along kid named Cigarette said he was the heir to the throne. This ain't no game. Any tramp that sets foot on my train, I'd hold him out and shake him to death like a snake. You ain't stopping at this hotel, kid. The stars at night, I put them there. My road, kid, and I don't give lessons and I don't take partners. Look, do exactly what I do. Nothing more. Don't like it. Just do it. There's a fast mail going through the junction at 710. That's 11 minutes. I'll be there in four. It's not at yard speed, you won't. I won't be going yard speed. I'm going to highball. I'm not giving away another free ride. Well, the king of the tramps in the hobo camp knew just what had to be done. But the evil Shaq had a plan of his own for the murder of A number one. A number one to Portland on the 19th. But, but that's Shaq's train. Mark it. A number one! A number one! His name is on a tire, I seen it! Northbound to Portland! Five dollars, he makes it all the way to Portland. Okay, okay, I'll handle the money. Tell the telegraph operator to let the boys down the line in on it. The challenge went up and down the line. A free ride to Portland and back. Some of the men bet on A number one, but most of the money's on Shaq. Shaq! Your flight's over here. The day they met, you knew from the start this was a fight to the death. They'd never give up and they'd never give in as long as the other drew breath. Lee Marvin is A number one. Ernest Borgnine is Shaq. And this is the fight of the century. Clear to Portland and back. And the winner will be Emperor of the North Pole.
And world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Sally. Good night from Dallas, Texas. <laughs>